Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about these beautiful and amazing gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. That's one little category, which are insight gifts. Then faith, healings, and miracles. That's another category that are the power gifts. And then the last little triplet is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And we've given a lot of background. We've shown how Jesus promised to his disciples the Holy Spirit was with them, but he would be in them. And then he said, wait, even when he's in you, wait until you've had power from on high and you will be my witnesses when you've been baptized or filled or overflowed with the Holy Spirit. And then we saw that on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And Peter, when he's explaining to the crowd what has just happened, he says, this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy in the Old Testament, where he said, your sons and your daughters, your young and your old, your men servants and maid servants will be filled with the Spirit and will prophesy. So he said tongues was a fulfillment of the Old Testament uh, promise of prophecy. And we've said that these gifts are for all of us. They're not just for a special few, they're for all of us, they're available, they've been poured out, you don't have to earn them or deserve them. Uh, It's a gift of the Father. It's called the gift and the promise of the Father many, many times. And at the end of Peter's speech in Acts chapter 2, he says, the promise is for you. Uh, Let me just read verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift that he's just explained they received. And then he says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That's all of us, folks. There's no time limit. There's no geographical limit. There's no limit on having to be a good Christian or have been a Christian for a certain length of time. It's for as many as the Lord our God will call. And these people on this day got filled with the Spirit. And again and again in the book of Acts, we see it happening. Let me just read you a couple of the examples. So in Acts chapter 10, we see another example where the same thing happens. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So this is Cornelius's household. Peter gets called there. He goes and he speaks to a large crowd who are gathered. And as he's speaking the words about Jesus being able to forgive their sins, they believe it and they are filled with the Spirit and they start to speak in tongues. And Peter says, wow, look, just as we have, they have been filled. And they were all filled with the Spirit and all spoke in tongues on Pentecost. The same happened in Acts 10 in Cornelius' household. Another example I'd just like to show you before I go into the practicalities of how this works out is in Acts chapter 18 and 19. So Paul has been wanting to go to Ephesus, this town of Ephesus, and he plans a strategy very carefully. 
Uh, he is in Corinth with Priscilla and Aquila. They travel to Ephesus. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus while he goes away for about a, a year or six months. They set up a tent making business so that when he comes back, he can work as a tent maker and start the church there. But while Priscilla and Aquila are waiting in Ephesus, they're not doing nothing. They're busy starting a business, but they are also looking around at how they can spread the gospel. And they come across a man called Apollos who, well, let's read it. Verse 24 of Acts 18. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So Priscilla and Aquila are there and this man Apollos comes. He is a Jew. He's eloquent. He's mighty in the scriptures. Uh, he's a great preacher and he knows the Bible. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. So his doctrine is correct. And it says in the New King James, he spoke accurately the things of the Lord. In many of the other translations, it says he spoke, he taught accurately the things of Jesus. So he understood about Jesus, Jesus' death for us. He understood it all. But then it says, though he only knew the baptism of John. So somehow his salvation understood Jesus accurately, understood the scriptures. Uh, he was a good guy, but there was something missing in the baptism understanding. He didn't quite understand. He'd believed. Uh, he'd asked Jesus into his heart because it says he taught accurately about Jesus. But baptism, he didn't quite get it. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And it doesn't tell us what they said to him, but we can see from the ne very next verses what happened. So then Paul arrives in verse 1 of chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, while Apollos was at Corinth. So Apollos leaves there, leaves Ephesus. He's only there for a very short time. And he goes to another city. And Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Isn't that interesting? They were obviously disciples of Apollos. And Paul knew they were disciples. He knew they had believed because he said, what happened when you believed? And he called them disciples. But they said, we've only known John's baptism. So they were the same as Apollos. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we see this example, Cornelius example, Acts chapter 2 example, all the Old Testament examples that I mentioned last week. We can see how God's Spirit comes on and prophecy and speaking in tongues is the first thing that gets the ball rolling, if you like, for these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to just clarify how these three work together. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Because 
it's a source of confusion for many people. Many people read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and tongues is one of them. And at the end, it says, do all speak in tongues, with the obvious answer being no. And they say, well, then how can you say that everybody will speak in tongues when they get filled with the Spirit? Surely that says clearly that all do not speak in tongues. But we see in Acts chapter 14 that there is uh, an inference that everyone speaks in tongues and everyone prophesies, but it speaks of a private use of tongues. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. And that's so important because 1 Corinthians 12 is clearly speaking about public ministry. You say, Greg, why is that the case? Well, listen to what he says. He says, uh, the manifestation is, of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For the profit of all. It's for public use. And then when he's talking about are all speaking in tongues, he says God has appointed these in the church. And he's talking about public use. So there's a public gift of tongues where a person speaks and an interpretation is given. And he says not everyone uses that. In fact, he lists that as last in the list of gifts at the end of 1 Corinthians 12. But then listen to 1 Corinthians 14. And I, I really hope that this helps you. He says, I'm just going to pick out the verses that we need. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He's obviously speaking about a private use of tongues there. He says they're not speaking to men. But 1 Corinthians 12 is a public use. So he says there is a gift of tongues where we're just talking between us and God. He goes on, verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. He says there is a private use of tongues where I'm edifying myself. Um, I'm building myself up. Edify means make yourself stronger, uh, more robust, uh, healthier. When I speak in a tongue, privately, just between me and God. He says, I'm edifying myself, but when I prophesy, I edify the church. And then for the rest of this chapter, he's going to be encouraging them in public meetings to use prophecy rather than tongues. Tongues is a private thing for myself, but prophecy edifies others. And he says, when we use tongues in public, he actually changes the language. And he says, it's called blessing others with tongues, if I'm using it in a public meeting. But in private, he calls it praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. Just to clarify that there are these two uses of the gift, and the public one is the one that not everyone uses. So let's read on. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. He's trying to say in church, let's use it for the benefit of others. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, which means speak to others in tongues, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say Amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. He says, in church, we've got to think of the others. We, we use our gifts for the benefit of others. 
and speaking in tongues benefits me. He goes on to say, I thank my God that I speak in with tongues more than you all. And that's, that's all of you put together. Paul spoke in tongues a lot. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And this Corinthian church was known for its speaking in tongues. They would get together and everyone would speak in tongues for a long time, all at the same time. And he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Can you see what Paul is doing here? He is clearly separating and guiding the people to say, Tongues is beautiful and wonderful, but praying in tongues is a private gift. In church, I've got to think of others and I've got to do things that will bless others, not bless me. Even if we put the gifts of the Spirit teaching to one side, this is an important principle. I've got to go to church thinking, how can I bless others? How can I bless others? You know, I've often said the church is a bit like a bring and share supper where everybody brings something and we put it all on the table and we all share together. It's not a supper where I come with my little thing that only I like with the spices that only I can eat and, and it's just made for me. And then I sit in a corner and just eat my little food. No, we bring it to bless others. I think to myself, what will others like to eat? And that's what church is supposed to be. And if we think in those terms, it helps us understand tongues and interpretation and prophecy. He goes on to say, therefore, verse 23, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. He says, Yes, you can all speak in tongues. We know that. Yes, you can all prophesy. We know that. Uh, because do you remember in Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happened, Peter said, this is the fulfillment of Joel. I will pour up my spirit on all flesh and they will all prophesy. We can all speak God's words, either in tongues or in English. He says, you can all do it. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. If a non-believer, he says an uninformed or, an, or a, a seeker comes in, somebody who's wanting to know about God, if they come in and we are all speaking in tongues at the same time, they're going to say, you're mad. Will they not say you're out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed comes in, he is convicted by all because they can understand the words. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So the reason I've gone through this is I'm wanting to show us that there is a clear difference and a distinction between the personal gift, which is really called praying. He's, he calls it praying with the Spirit, praying in a tongue, and the public use, which he calls blessing with a tongue, and then he says, you must think about non-believers there and you must make sure there's somebody to interpret or you pray that you can interpret so that somebody else can understand what is being said. But he says prophecy is much better. And actually tongues plus interpretation is the same as prophecy anyway. So let's do that. And he gives guidelines for prophecy as well. He says just a few prophets should speak and the others should weigh up or judge what is being said to see if it's right. 
And presumably then the elders, if there's something that's not right, would say, no, we don't think that's right. But he gives guidelines for public use. Why am I saying all this? Because there's confusion. Some people say 1 Corinthians 12 says we don't all speak in tongues. But 1 Corinthians 14 makes a clear distinction between personal and public. And it says you can all prophesy, you can all speak in tongues, but praying in the Spirit. I'd like to just close by showing you how beautiful and important this praying in the Spirit is. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul is commanding us in the armor of God passage to pray in the Spirit. He says when you pray in tongues, it is powerful weapon of spiritual warfare against the enemy. Why? Let's read on. Romans 8 verse 26. So likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered, or another version says groans that words cannot express. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This passage says that when I try to pray, I sometimes don't know what the right thing is to pray for. So I pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays through me with groanings, with words that are not my native language, with things I can't understand. And when the Holy Spirit is praying through me, it says he makes intercession according to the will of God. I know that it's a perfect prayer. Isn't that an amazing gift? Isn't that incredible? And he says this is available. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that words can't express. You might hear somebody say, but Jesus never did any of this stuff, this weird stuff, this prophecy, this tongues, this interpretation, this praying in the Spirit. But he did. In John chapter 11, when Lazarus is dead and Jesus is coming towards the tomb, it says he was groaning in himself. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Twice in John 11, it says he was groaning in himself. And it's this praying in the Spirit. You know, this word helps. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's a, a short letter, a five-letter word in English, but it's a long word in Greek. It's sun anti lambanamai, which means, sun means together. Anti means against. Lambanamai means takes hold of. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit, sun anti lambanamai, takes hold of things together with us against an enemy in our weakness. And he prays with groanings and words and languages that we can't express. And it's exactly according to the will of God. Friends, that is what praying in the Spirit is. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. You, beloved, Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Do you remember we read in 1 Corinthians 14, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But you, beloved, pray in the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. When you pray in tongues, you're building your spirit man up. You're building your faith up. And it says you're keeping yourselves in the love of God. You know, God's love never changes, but your experience of it and understanding of it 
can be changed. And when you pray in tongues, which is commanded in Jude verse 20, he says, pray in tongues. You're keeping yourself in the love of God and you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. Friends, this gift of tongues or praying in the Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. Some people have got hung up about it and they say, oh, you know, I feel pressurized or whatever. What I would say is that the public gift, if anyone says to you, I want to I want to see you pray in tongues publicly, you well within your rights to say no, because he says in 1 Corinthians 12, the public gift is only for a few. Only for a few. Not everyone speaks in tongues in public. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, don't do it in public if there's no interpretation. But the private gift, he who prays in a tongue, speaks in a tongue, speaks just to God. He speaks mysteries with the Spirit. He prays, the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God. He edifies himself. He builds himself up in his most holy faith. I would encourage you to do it. It's a gift. It's just a gift. You say, how do I do it? Well, in Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the Spirit, in verse 4, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That comes from just asking. Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus said, If any father was asked by a child for food, he wouldn't give him a snake. In the same way, your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You just ask. You say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. And he says, yes, based on his promise and his word, not based on your goodness or anything else you've done. So they were filled with the Spirit. Then it says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I like to liken it to Peter walking on the water. Jesus says to him, come. But Peter has to decide to get out of the boat and use his own muscles and willpower to start walking. But it was Jesus who was enabling him to walk. God says, you are filled with the Spirit. You can start using these gifts and praying in the Holy Spirit. A perfect prayer, a edifying prayer. But you... They were filled with the Spirit. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You start to speak and you trust the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And I would encourage you not to speak words in English, just to start speaking and allow the Holy Spirit to do it. It's not a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. Just let the words come. You might say, well, won't I get an evil spirit? Jesus said in Luke 11, if an earthly child asks his father for uh, an egg or for bread. He won't give him a snake or a scorpion. In the same way, your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. God won't let you get a bad gift. If you ask your Father for the Holy Spirit, He will give you the Holy Spirit. And we trust Him. We step out and we walk on the water. I'm just going to show you one scripture now about prophecy. It's in Acts chapter 21. And it's just to show a little bit about how prophecy works in real life. So Paul and his associates are traveling and they come to the home of Philip the evangelist. And it says uh, in verse 8, they departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So everyone, men, women, old, young, prophesy. And as we had stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So this is a, a famous prophet who prophesies powerfully. 
When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Agabus prophesies a strong prophecy that Paul is going to be bound up by the Jews and delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, verse 12, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. So Timothy, Luke, um, all of Paul's associates, Philip the evangelist, uh, Philip's four prophesying daughters, everybody's pleading with Paul saying, don't go to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. I want to close with this thought. Prophecy is great. And that picture that Agabus got was correct. Paul was bound in Jerusalem. But sometimes we add our own interpretations, ideas, thoughts. And the person who the prophecy is for is the final one who will know whether it is of the Lord or not. And Paul said, I've already been warned that I'm going to be bound in Jerusalem, but I know I must go. Thank you for the prophecy. It's encouraging and it's showing me that I'm on the right track. But your interpretation that I shouldn't go to Jerusalem is wrong. Prophecy is never something that we must obey blindly. Prophecy is a help and it's guided by the scripture and by our own knowledge of what God is doing in our lives. And especially by the person who has to make the decision, they get the most guidance. They never get told by a prophet what to do without it resonating with their own spirit. Prophecy is great. Tongues and interpretation is great. We need them. In fact, he says in Acts chapter 12, 13 and 14, eagerly desire these gifts. Eagerly desire, really want the gifts, especially prophecy, he says, and start to use them. Lord Jesus, I pray you bless my friend, my brother or sister. I pray you'd fill them with your spirit. I pray that they would overflow. The overflow of their heart would come out of their mouth and they would speak your words. They would use tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and the personal prayer of tongues. But also they would be open to all the gifts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.